0: to the Thriving Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co founders of the Coach Air Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life we believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life we know that you have relevant experience expertise as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next fifteen to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show.
1: Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Thriving Advisors podcast. With me today is JR Gondek, and uh, JR is with High Tower Advisors. JR, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man. How about we start off with telling us a little bit about your company and what you guys do at a high level?
2: Yeah, at a high level, I mean, I started in the industry a long time ago at 21. So, graduated college and, and really went through the the big wirehouse. For a number of years learned kind of from from that end of then the last 10 years we've been on the independent side at Hightower mm. and it really changed the business to focus not only on investments but really multi-generational planning and fitting it all together for
1: families and completing that you know for the entire family. Very nice very nice and um, you started in the industry at 21 so you've been like All in from day one. Is that right? You didn't get to kind of hang out in another different industry, or I did not. I like I said, I graduated, and and it's been
2: interesting to see the evolution last twenty years. Because you know, as I kind of call it, the old way and the new way. Mm -hmm. Right? Not that the old way was bad. It's just I think as as taking progress ahead, it's always the obligation of the next generation to learn from the past to make it better. And I think that's really what we've tried to do with our business is learn from the way it was done before. Not that it was bad, but how do you continue to refine it? kind of evolve with with as family planning modern families continue to evolve it's just different challenges that really weren't as common
1: 20 years ago yeah it's amazing how the transition from college to work life and the expectations around that have changed over the years it used to be uh, i think you and i grew up in a generation where we had our predecessors and and you know people before stick with GE or whomever it was for like 30 years straight and it used to be like a, like an, almost an advantage or a plus to have that on your resume, but that's since flipped to where, you know, the millennials and some of the other generations, they, you know, they kind of fancy hopping around between. So 21 years ago, how, what led to you being so intentional and focused of knowing this is the industry that I'm going to go in. I don't need to do anything else. And I'm just going to kind of plant my feet in there. Well,
2: it's um, fun. All for you. <laughs> like for me, like when I, I started, I had a paper route when I was in second grade, I think, and I made my first $20 at the time. And I thought I was the wealthiest person in the world at the time. It was just kind of running that little business at the time and having fun with that led me into kind of financial markets and the finance background as I did my undergraduate work. Right. And then from there, it was the fun of the markets and evolving because we we manage our own money internally. So it was following balance sheets and income statements and those kinds of things. But then as, as things evolved, you could see how family dynamics changed. And as people passed away, how ill prepared the next generation or the lack of communication between spouses was clear that we needed to step up and change as an industry. Mm -hmm. I think it was kind of that, that led me and then continued to to learn and and Mm -hmm.
1: move things ahead. Gotcha. Um, It would seem like you guys have sort of an intentional focus, not only in the wealth management, uh, financial management, but maybe in the family owned business space. Is that a fair assessment? Correct.
2: Yeah, and, and what we we like to talk about is everybody likes to focus in general on the investment return. Mm-hmm. We like to talk about the wealth return, mm-hmm. right? And the wealth return kind of encompasses the investment return plus everything else in your life on the planning, tax planning, estate, everything involved in there. And then more importantly, between generations, I think that's where a lot of breakdown mm-hmm. happens is like a communication between, you know, matriarch, patriarch
1: and, and next next gen. Sure. What's the biggest issue that you guys run up against time after time within that, you know, multi-generational family-owned business space uh, that you guys like to focus in on? A lot a
2: lot of it is just the lack of communication is what, you, you know, families in general don't like to talk about money. Yeah. Don't really, right. And and a lot of the the old way of thinking was you'll find out when I pass away what's in place. And it's just not... A lot of families are concerned about taking the fire out of the belly, so to speak, of the next generation. So they don't want to know how much is out there, how much is the business worth. And those are real concerns. But with proper communication, what we found, both from an advisor standpoint and family standpoint, if you include everybody in an advisor side, men and women think differently. I mean, if you really listen, right same conversation, we might hear different things and putting it all together. And it's the same with families. If you include both spouses and generations and really listen and talk through things, you can overcome sort of those concerns of letting families know how much money there is or plan around and not take the fire out of the belly, but make sure that
1: the next generation is prepared and planned for. Yeah. What are some of the tools or hacks that you guys find to, accelerate that level of communication because it's it's very personal information like you said and there's culture there's all kinds of things that impede the progress that should be there so you guys find assessments as tools or what are some of the next that you guys have to kind of make that a little easier
2: well i think as, as advisors mm-hmm. i think too many times we'd like to say how smart we are and how you need us to take care of it because it's so complicated and what we found is the simpler you can make it Right, whether it's a simple one-page net worth statement that lists everything, whether it's a a flow chart of how your assets flow to the next generation or simple summaries of your documents, it it overcomes what we call that decision-making paralysis. And it really helps everybody feel comfortable that you can get really into the weeds as needed, but the more, the the higher level and, and simple, you can have the conversation start, everybody feels comfortable to participate and that really helps to,
1: to overcome some of those, what we found. Keep it simple. Gotcha. Gotcha. What is the biggest challenge or threat that you guys see, uh, not only for your company in terms of the industry, but maybe as a whole for the industry going forward?
2: I think the biggest threat is, is just not preparing the next generation. Right? I mean, you're going to have the largest amount of wealth transfer over the next 10 to 20 years. And again, the, the lack of preparation is is the biggest scare because it's the old saying shirt sleeve to shirt sleeve in three generations Mm -hmm. why does that happen you know bad planning or communication is a lot of the reason there so if you can really communicate you can help kind of keep that family legacy and planning for many generations to come and that's the biggest concern we see
1: gotcha let's get into you uh jr a little bit and just kind of maybe expose um things that people may not know about you? What would you, first of all, if I had one or two of your closest friends here in the podcast with us, how would they describe you, JR?
2: Energized. You know, I, I always, I like to live in the future, as I say. So yeah. it's always kind of thinking ahead, not afraid to take risks, right? And, and look to to see what's evolving, whether it's business, whether it's in the markets, you name it. Because I, I think, without proper planning or or thinking through to, to bring things forward, you have to take all those kinds of risks. And then just a family person overall, like just I have four kids. So it's really uh, spending time on, you know, that work life balance, because I, I think especially since the pandemic, I've been so focused on, you know, your your personal health, your mental health, how that all fits together to be a better parent mm-hmm. and your business leader and just you know, feel healthier and it all fits together. And I, I think those are some of the things I
1: really try to prioritize. Awesome. Let's look at both personally and professionally. What do you consider to be your biggest accomplishment today?
2: Well, biggest accomplishment for kids. I mean, for healthy kids is, is right up there with anything. And, yeah. and it keeps you motivated from, from all aspects of life. And, and just remember where, you know, where you've been, where you're going and, and what matters with, with a lot of that. And you know, outside of my, my kids, I think it's just you know, proud of, of the team we've built in the practice and, and a, the evolution of things. Because, again, I, I think my, my mentor, Gene Lerner, was, was just such a, a great person from uh, so many different levels. But really not be afraid of innovation right? and keep learning because I, mm-hmm. I think it, it's just progress. It, once you get content with things, you, you tend to fall behind. So I think it's continue to have that that progress, that learning, that innovation, innovative mentality, with kind of everything we do, and then fit it together. And I think that's that's really the challenge. And then passing along knowledge, because again, you can't have it all yourself. If you do, you're really going to level out of as, as a business or you know an, an overall thing. So really tried to to spend the time to
1: to do that. You talked about um, innovation what would you consider to be what maybe the world of label is one of your biggest failures that that led to exploring the creative and innovative side um in what
2: you do? well the, probably the biggest failure for me personally is trying to do everything right and there's only 24 hours a day seven days of the week and i always like to talk about this concept of giving up to grow Mm -hmm. and if you can't give up what your comfort zone is it's hard to grow and what what's really difficult with that is trust people beneath you or with you to be able to take some of the things that you know you could still do better than that person but you need to train them to bring them up to your levels that you can grow and that really helps to to grow overall so I think it's realizing they can't do everything and really passing along and getting out of your comfort zone to, to be the leader and pass things around. Cause it's, it's easier said than
1: done. Sure. We've talked a little bit about leadership. Uh, you referenced your mentor earlier on and some of the things you learned from him. If you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose and why?
2: Well, two people come to mind, Warren Buffett and Elon Musk, right? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, somewhat on, on different aspects, you know, Warren Our contrasting styles too, yes. when You think about some of what they've done. And I think it's a lot of where things are going and sums us up, I think, in, in certain ways where you always have that value bias that Warren Buffett really presents. You, you know, you're stable, you're looking at things, you're not You're long term. Right. A, a lot of that kind of old way of, of where things are. And, and Elon Musk, just from the innovation, I mean, it just lives in the future. He's looking at what's ahead we're going to be in Mar, we're going to do this, we're going to write and, and blending those two together, I, I think is would be a, a great lunch
1: between the two of those. Awesome. Speaking about looking in the future. Um, if you could write a book tomorrow, what would you write about and what might the title of the book be? Well, the, the, the concept I think would be
2: similar to, to the book I, I wrote in the past on kind of family planning and, and those kinds of things, but then learn from it because that's the thing with, with, um, with innovation. Right? You put out some concepts today and you need to refine those. And I, I think from that aspect, like, I think storytelling is such a good way to resonate with people because it's, it's just a good way to envision as you're talking through a situation that you can see good and bad what's happened. And then continue to, to do that. Cause again, for me, it's it's more of uh, if 10 or 20 or 30 families can can hear a story and that makes a difference. Yeah, that, that really is a, a good way to look at things. Cause again, it's it's hard to make a difference with everyone, but even if you can start small and
1: build from there, I think it's be some version of that. Gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about the industry. Um, I've been in the financial services space for many years, and one of the things that bugged me was this 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 war internally between what I would call the safe side of the fence, which is a lot of the insurance-based solutions versus the uh, equity side of the fence, which a lot of the securities based and how both sides kind of pit themselves against the consumer going, hey, we're the best, you need to forget about these guys here. We're the best, you need to forget about them. And so, you know, when I wrote my first book, um, I kind of exposed some of the myths within the industry that I felt like the consumer uh, needed to be aware of what some of the truths were. What is the one really big myth or the one big thing that occurs within our industry that bugs you that you'd like to maybe see?
2: I think it's, it's yeah. the... Fidu- I think it's continuing the fiduciary standard because then it blends out the two aspects you're talking about where it doesn't matter which... You're going to do what's best for the family, whether it's an insurance and a safe solution or whether it's equity and in, in looking for that because I, I think... That, There's been a lot of movement over the last 20 years, but I think continuing to do that and information is so much more readily available, whether it's fees, whether it's transaction charge, a lot of that information has really benefited us as consumers with more information. So I think continuing to have that fiduciary standard overall so that as a consumer, you have the information, but you know, the the person that's advising you has your best it has the fiduciary duty in mind to make sure they're obligated to do what's right for you and your family.
1: So true. So true. I find good leaders maintain a healthy dose of curiosity and that they're always learning. So what are you maybe most curious about at this stage in the development of your career? It's definitely
2: cryptocurrency and the technology evolving, because I think, again, one disappointment I have with our industry overall is not being able to educate consumers right and I, I think there's so many fraudulent activities that go on and you know it, it's just as, as advisors I think the more educated we are to help guide people the better and there's so much money and innovation in the crypto space the metaverse all of these things that that are continuing to evolve they're not going away yeah it's just our job to continue to be educated and move things up because the reality is all a lot of our families already have cryptocurrency or exposure who's going to help guide them if it's not us yeah. So I, I just think it continues to be a necessary area for us. And we focused more on educating ourselves in the planning aspects of the crypto. How do you move it around? And, and a lot of those, because it's just an area that is not going away and it's it's necessary to educate us in, as, as an industry.
1: Do you feel like you guys as a, as a company have the necessary resources to fully embrace that as opposed to kind of stand on the sidelines and kind of? give guidance as to how to kind of play around in the field versus being integrally involved in actually throwing that ball down the, the pathway and building it into plans or the clients?
2: Well, on the planning side, we're very comfortable because it's it's like titling any other asset at this point. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to figure out how a wallet. how do you move things around? And and we're very versed on that. The rest of it is difficult because it's, it's just not, Allowed in the industry, so mm. it's it's hard to advise should you do this one or that one. So it's more just continuing to educate. We've started a blog and podcast to just very basic start to educate our our clients, families, and other people out there as to what to look at, what's happening to be the, very basic, so that in the future, if it is approved in the industry, that we're not playing
1: catch up. Gotcha. You mentioned the mentor early on. Um, is that individual who you'd consider to be your most significant mentor? Part one of the question. And then two, what has been the most significant advice that you've gotten from whomever would fit the bill as, uh, as that individual for you?
2: Yeah, Gene, Gene learned. Definitely. There's no question. I mean, he just, we we work side by side seven days a week for, you know, 17 years, a very long time and he passed away two years ago this month. So it's, but you know, it was just seeing, he was a professor for many years, just ingraining education and progress and innovation, right? It was always on his mind. And even as he got into his late 80s and 90s, he wasn't afraid of technology or what the next thing was. Maybe it took a little longer to learn mm-hmm. at that point, but wasn't afraid. And it's just that that advice to me, just just spending in me forever to just not be afraid to look at the next technology, stay current, scan everything that's out there. And then bring the business forward because you need to to continue to solve for what family needs are going to evolve because whatever things are today, they're going to change in the future and just continue to to do that. So, So definitely his advice of not being able to take, continue to learn lifelong
1: learner and innovate. Sure. I'd like you to maybe take 60 seconds and talk to the heart of your ideal client that, um, Family-owned business has been around for for years. Has gotten the benefit of maybe having you know the next generation involved in the business. Um, take sixty seconds and talk to the very heart of some of the pains, the frustrations, the challenges that they face, and how you guys are um, very well versed as to what that looks like and how you can help solve that. So,
2: yeah, the the ideal family is is at least three generations and maybe four, where it's struggling with. How much do you share? Where do you go? Every family has its struggles. I mean, every family at this stage for the most part is some version of a modern family, which has its own different dynamics. How do you transfer? How do you keep things in bloodline, right? A lot of those concerns. And, and we really look to really focus on making sure the, the matriarch, patriarch level are secure, make sure they know they have enough mm-hmm. and really look to facilitate moving assets down sooner. Right. And, and, but then more importantly, make sure the next generation is prepared. So we really like to, to talk to families about accelerating gifting sooner rather than waiting till, till end of life. And it's a good way to start communicating even with smaller dollar amounts to really start to build those in. And it's, it's really focused on that because a lot of times families, if you have kids or grandkids, you're, you're doing your own college planning. Well, if parents or grandparents are doing something, there could be duplication a lot of times, and it's just not optimal. So it's really a a complicated three or four, four generation family to just help walk through these stages of life and get the communication or get the everything coordinated between
1: generations is what we look for. That's awesome. Last question is to look back to, I was going to say the 18 year old self, but maybe the 21 year old self might be better since that's when you kind of launched out into the deep. And if you could distill Uh, wisdom that you feel like would have been beneficial to your younger self for the road ahead? What would you share to them now? Very simple. I mean, get out of your comfort
2: zone sooner, right? Because I think too many times, and I did this definitely by early 20s, is you get comfortable with one thing. For me, it was analysis and looking at balance sheets and income statements and numbers. Right. I'm blessed with the photographic memory on, on a lot of that stuff, so it was my comfort zone.. Sure, sure. And it's, it's really pushing yourself sooner out of that comfort zone. And then the other thing is, is just the, the major and minor concept, right? You, you do undergraduate and you might have a, a major in something and a minor. Right? Yeah. In your career, you follow through. I, I think early in your career, you should really continue that minor, right? Something else that's interesting. If you did marketing or finance undergrad, Spend some time with getting exposure in a little different area. That helps to to overcome some of those those issues. I I think get out of your comfort zone and keep that major minor concept early on in your career, so that you
1: can develop and learn other areas. Awesome, brilliantly said. Well, Jr., it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. I think you've shared a lot of really valuable information. I know uh, Mm -hmm. it's been an incredible time for the listening and viewing audience. So I want to thank you for hanging out with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And until we have another amazing guest on our podcast, we want to wish you guys well. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your time and attention and uh, we'll see you guys real soon. Take care. Welcome to The Thriving
0: Advisor Show. I'm Ike Ikoku, and together with Nina Venturella, we are co-founders of the Air Institute and the Seven Figure Mentor Program. We help executives create successful transitions out of corporate life without jeopardizing their current employment and without risk to their family, finances, or future. We launch business consulting practices for our clients and use that as a vehicle to establish their personal brand, their thought leadership, and to monetize their purpose, passion, wisdom, expertise, and experience. This helps them address the problem of how to design a successful transition out of corporate life and into doing something adventurous and fulfilling that allows them to have the kind of impact, influence, and income they desire in this next chapter of their life. We believe that executives who have been thriving in the boardroom with their responsibilities to their current employer can also thrive outside of the boardroom in their post-corporate life. We know that you have relevant experience, expertise, as well as a unique message and or a passion project that can positively impact the world. Stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on one of the fastest growing daily inspirational podcasts on the planet in the next 15 to 20 minutes. All right, well, let's get into today's show.